Hello and welcome to the Premium Food Podcast, the podcast where three friends who all discover food have their say on the Premier League. We are stacked, ladies and gentlemen. It is a North London special, including including Coach. Including <laughs> you, Coach. You're a Scotland fan in disguise. Anyway, the present Coach Kojo minus one. How you doing, sir? I told you, I told you to stop that kind of stuff, bro. I'm not supporting Tottenham Hotspur. You know, maybe in another life I would have supported Tottenham, but obviously my team is. Oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We've got a real Tottenham fan coming in. That's a that's a Tottenham fan over there. That's what we're talking. There were two. Yeah, there were two. So there's there's three in. In, in matter of fact, there's three, but it is what it is, man. Manchester yeah. United fans, they're from London. They they all support Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, but we're good. I'm good, man. I'm good. Obviously, had my Cajun pasta. Work was good today. Feeling good. Obviously, my team won a crap performance, but it's what it is. So I'm feeling good, man. How you doing? I am all Gucci. Now that there are two Tottenham fans, I feel like I can actually speak my truth because I was, I was going to try and be as unbiased as possible. But it's glorious, man. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. North London is red. Is what it is, man. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Anyway, we are joined by Mel. How you doing? Um, as good as I can be. I had the worst day ever yesterday, and I woke up, and I feel even worse. <laughs> but here we are. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Basil, how you doing, sir? No, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It seems like you're getting me on at the right time, <laughs> just when we get victory. So yeah. exactly, no more... you're, you're more miserable than me, but it... <laughs> I know, man. I can't. I can't. I can't count the amount of times i ranted about arsenal on this show but it seems to be we're in a decent patch now so we'll see dan how you doing sir yeah very good man very good i was, I was saying to toby before this i was going to pour myself a kvost and coke but i forgot that man. Just, water, just water now but life's good at the moment man. life's good excellent excellent and Tobes, how you doing sir i'm not doing well but it's life, man. It's 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 what 2021 feels like as a Spurs fan. But hey ho, we we had our three weeks of fun and I enjoyed it. But back to re back to life, back to reality, innit? So yeah, back to Jose Mourinho. Let's start there. Why did he get it so wrong? Uh, Mel, you can take that one. You know, <laughs> you, can take that. <laughs> you, can, you can take that one. Now. <laughs> Do you know what, yeah? With the lineup, I was actually happy with the lineup. I wasn't happy with Doherty, but I understood why he started um, Aurier, you know, having that injury and playing in the previous game. So I was happy with the lineup. The way we started, yeah, no, do you know, I'm just going to keep it to Jose Mourinho. At first, I had a lot of blame on Jose Mourinho because Jose Mourinho is someone who has a very good record against Arsenal. Um, he knows how to play you guys. So I was really shocked with the way we came out, we looked scared. And if that's how we're playing at the Emirates with no fans in the stadium, I don't even know how that would have panned out if that had whatever your capacity is in that stadium of fans roaring at our team. Um, but I saw some reports. I think these came out last night or something um, from some of the Tottenham reporters that apparently the whole game, Jose was screaming at the players to press. He said Sacramento on the sides. He said, He's never heard him say any other word in the English language more than the word press. So then this is what makes me question, is this Jose that's got it wrong or is this the players? Because to me, you should be going out pushing Arsenal. We know Arsenal are a team that can be pressured into mistakes and we wasn't doing it. So I was thinking that was just typical Jose, you know, sitting back, you know, looking a bit scared, inviting the pressure. But now I'm looking at reports like that and I'm thinking, has this got to be on the players? I don't know. Anything to add that? Go on, Dan. 
So I was going to say, you know, on that that whole like pressing thing and and whatnot, like I said this to Toby yesterday, is I I personally I don't think Jose Mourinho is that guy anymore in respect of you know before when he was coming through, people used to say about you know he used to come up with these dossiers about how to play teams, the tactics. He was one of the best tacticians in the world, etc. And for me. I've not seen anything from this Spurs team that says, or even the United team that says to me that he is one of these modern coaches who's able and capable of organising a, a, a coherent plan for another team. So you can talk about, you know, all right, he was screaming at them to press or you wanted the team to, you know, play more football, keep the ball on the ground. But I generally don't think that this Spurs team is equipped to do that against a team that has another respectable manager. Because like, I'm looking at this, um, this now in terms of your results against the, the bigger teams. So you've it, since you beat us the last time, um, when you won the league, obviously, in December, um, you you lost to Liverpool. There was no need for that. There was no need you, for that. Come on, I've got nobody was celebrating like we won the league. There was no need for that. I've got to get my digs in where I can, man. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah? So you, lost, you lost Liverpool twice. You lost to Leicester. You lost to Brighton, Chelsea, Everton, Man City, West Ham, and now you've lost to us again. And I think all of these teams, they have, what I would say, good modern managers. You, you can say what you want about David Moyes, this, that, and the other, but I think the job that he's doing at West Ham is very commendable. Carlo Ancelotti, we know his credentials. Mikel Arteta, he's beaten all of the big six managers now in his first 18 months in charge of the club. Brendan Rodgers, Pep, Klopp, um, uh, and, and, and all of these guys. So when he's coming up with what I would say big men, even Brighton, you can say Graham Potter is probably one of the better attacking coaches in the league. Um, the way he has that that team playing. So when Jose Mourinho is coming up against all of these guys, I don't think he has the facilities to outfox them anymore. You know, but that's just my that's just my opinion. Can you can you really blame Jose? Because I'm looking at it right, and obviously Levi has to take a big part of the blame as to what is going on. But when you look at the investment in Tottenham, he hasn't truly got it. When you look at the two dominant teams in the league in um, the past few years, Liverpool and City, um, those managers have been backed. Um, in the transfer market by those above them in terms of recruiting the right players. And when the managers request certain players in certain positions, they tend to get it. You look at Tottenham, I think the recruitment policy is a bigger problem than Jose. And I think it's unfair to, to criticise Jose that much considering what he has to work with and in the future what he probably has to work with because I can't see Tottenham going into this summer's market and buying maybe the three or four players they need to try and push on. So I don't I guess that's, that's, that's probably as, as diplomatic as I'm going to be. I guess the question for Toby is, is it more of a squad problem? Because I think you're very balanced. I think you, obviously, you get you got the players when they need to get the players. You get Jose when, quite frankly, he's not doing what he needs to be doing with the squad. But I always refer back to the time when Pochettino said that the team needed rebuilding. Do you think it's a yeah. case of your team just suffering the, the point that so many of these players are just not good enough? Or is Jose still not just getting what he can out of this team, it's, it's both. I think it's both. I don't like people. People always think it's one or the other. Like the two, the two situations aren't. They're not mutually excuse, exclusive. Like we can, we can, we can be in situations where um, the squad isn't good enough because right now the squad isn't good enough. I can literally, I've said, I've been saying this the whole of 2021. Like I'm not being Mr. Nice Guy with these players anymore. There's around probably nine or ten players off the bat who aren't good enough to be playing for us week in, week out. But when you look at it, yesterday's performance, when you look at the performance against Man City, when you look at the performance against Chelsea, against Liverpool, these aren't isolated in, uh, situations. 
that performance yesterday was gutless. And the only shock was that that performance came in the North London derby. But in terms of the, the, the calibre of performance, we've seen that so many times under Jose Mourinho. So many times under this manager. Like it's not no one is shocked that we've played uh, a so-called bigger side and we've put in a, a performance that horrible. So I definitely believe he has to take some 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 blame for how we play. Like he's the manager. He's the manager. He determines how we go about approaching games. And the approach you see over the majority of the games is a reflection of the manager. Because had we had won yesterday. People would have been saying the same nonsense that they said when we beat Arsenal 2 0, Jose Masterclass. It's not a masterclass. You're literally sitting back, banking on your two, on your two, on your two match winners to, to do what they do best and, and soak. And you're not even soaking up pressure well. But anyway, I think you can definitely blame him. But like I said on my stream yesterday, and like I was saying to, to Dan in the Discord, I don't think he set out to, to sit back yesterday. And like Mel said, I think that ties in with what we're hearing from the, the, um, we're hearing from the, the the reporters that he wants these players to press. He wants them to press. But like like Dan said again, I don't think we're coached well enough. Um, and what I mean by that is in possession, out of possession, against the better sides, I don't think we're good enough. And it shows when we come up against the better opposition, they are much they, they are much more well drilled than us, and they are way better in possession. We don't really have a plan. And then when you don't have a plan in or out of possession against the better sides, you're relying on the individual quality of the players. And that's where they let us down yesterday. That's why you're seeing people get onto Ndombele after yesterday. That's why you're seeing people get onto Gareth Bell after yesterday. That's why you're seeing people get onto Hoybier after yesterday. Even Regulon, which he was poor yesterday as well. The, the minimum performance that you expect to see from these players, in spite of Jose's negativity, wasn't there yesterday. So that's why I cannot put all the blame down to the manager yesterday. It's a bit of both. Um, yeah, it's so, so, yeah, go ahead, Mark. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I've, I've said this on quite a few streams. I tried to preserve my judgment against Jose because I don't believe he got the centre-back he wanted. I know we brought in Rodham, but I think that was one for the future. So I tried to reserve my judgment because we never managed to get Squinnier in. And I can't really name Joe, so successful Jose sides in history that got there without having the competent centre-backs. And we've seen, we're dropping off games. The Arsenal game, there, there was a lot of stuff wrong with that. But in a general sense, the games have been dropping up has been down to our centre-backs or individual mistakes from the defence. But then if that's the case, change it up. How are we inviting and soaking in pressure when we don't have the competent defence to do it? So switch it up. But then I'm thinking, does Jose know how to coach these guys to press? Because he's saying, yeah, he's screaming from the touchlines, press, press, press. But then you've got, was it Kane that came out and said, when we go forward, we're still relying on the coaching we got from Pochettino to press. But then when Poch was here at the end, Poch was getting um, agitated because he was telling them to press. They weren't doing it. They were moaning about his training sessions, saying, oh, it's too intense. So is even Poch was struggling towards the end. So is this, I've got to blame Jose for not switching it up. But then at the same time, are these players cooperating? It doesn't look like it. So... I mean, it's, 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 at the same time, just just quickly, yeah, because I think, and, and I think because Spurs haven't won anything with this crop of players, I think they don't they probably don't know how to fight for games. And I think what happens is that they tend to go back into their comfort zone because when you've had players who have won things and know how to dig in, and know when the time comes, this this is how we're supposed to perform, this is how we're supposed to get results. They can they, they, they can have that extra desire and fight to to listen to the manager and point a performance where they can win matches i feel and obviously listen to what you're saying mel in terms of how the players respond to instructions under posh and under um jose i think because they haven't won anything 
And because they don't really have that mentality where they want to win anything, I think naturally the players go back into that comfort zone where it's like, well, we're happy to be where we're, where we're at right now. We're happy to more or less just be part of the furniture in the league and happy to maybe have a top four rather than can we go the extra mile to reach our extra goals? Because if you look at Arsenal teams um, in the past on the Wenger, they knew minimum it was top four. We could have been sixth or seventh, but you knew these players knew how to dig in to gather the results, to get them to the top four. And, you know, when it came to crunch time, could respond effectively to make sure that they could get the results. I don't see the same with this Tottenham side. I feel like they're comfortable maybe underachieving and saying, let's go again next season, rather than can we actually do it this season? Um, <clears throat> so I think we've spoken about Jose Mourinho, but we need to get onto the players a lot more. And we have been this bit by a bit, but individual errors was one um, area that we spoke about. And Mel, Matt Doherty, please help me understand what has happened to this player, please. <laughs> <laughs> this guy scars me. I'm sorry. I, I really don't know what to say about Doherty. Um, with him, yeah, I'm in, when it comes to the Arsenal game in particular, I tried not to give him full blame, yeah. Um, I don't want to be is complacent the word because I, at this point, I know what we're expecting with Doherty. But however, I've got to put some blame on, you know, for example, Bale, Bale not tracking back to cover Doherty. Is that all on Doherty? The whole game, Arsenal were just targeting him. You could see they were just running down our right side, constantly targeting him. And he was always getting outnumbered by two players to just him. And no one was helping him. Um, but at the same time, I genuinely can't. He's, if you're not even good at the basics, what are you getting paid for? I, ugh, I don't know. Toby, you go. <laughs> I think I think we've <laughs> and the thing is Mel 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 put out a very like Twitter famous video of her screaming at her her displeasure towards uh, Kieran Trippier years back saying mm. mentioned a certain bricking so <laughs> so if that was the energy that she felt for Trippier I you don't even you don't even want to know I'd actually rather have Trippier that, back. Exactly. You don't even want to know the energy that Spurs fans would have for, for, for Matt Matt Doherty or Doherty, however you want to pronounce his name, because mm. it's it's scary how bad he's been. I, I said this in in a group chat that Dan was in today. He is the worst signing we've had since Vincent Janssen. He's the what? worst signing. I swear to God. He's the, worst, he's the worst signing we've had since Vincent Janssen. And this was a guy that I had big stocks in. I couldn't I couldn't believe that we signed him 50 million. I was saying, this is a snip. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, he's a right wing back. But yeah, maybe that slight adjustment to, to right back, he could still do he, he could still do his thing. Like most of second most offensive contributions after Trent, but we get nothing from him. We don't get defensive stability. We don't get aerial prowess. We don't get link-up play. We don't get cutbacks. We don't get goals. We don't get anything from this guy. We don't get anything. All we get is pain, suffering, and heartache. And he was getting absolutely battered yesterday. Battered. And this is a guy that said only a few days ago he feels like he's turning a corner. Yeah. Yeah, he was getting, he was, exactly, he feels like, he said he felt he was turning a corner. Mourinho said, oh, he felt he's been impeccable. And immediately the whole fan base shut it down. If you see all the, 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 speak, the, the chat on Twitter, no, I don't want to say it, but only Irish fans, were, only Irish Spurs fans were backing Matt Doherty. The only Irish Spurs fans saying give him time because the guy's 28 years old, going 29. We did not buy him to give him time. We bought him to be an immediate impact on a problem area for us. Experience. Exactly. And he's made it worse. He's made it worse. But like Mel said, I'd be, I'd be lying to myself if, he, if, if I said that we only lost that game because of Matt Doherty. He, he was a big problem. 
he was a major, major problem. And I think when you have a problem like that, you have to look at the man who started him, who chose to start him. But okay, fair enough. You chose to start him due to continuity, whatever. Cool. I can, I can, I can even forgive that. But when he's floundering the way he was at halftime, to even keep him on and to to base the changes you're making to your squad around him instead of just taking him off. I mean, who's your other option? Who's your other option? Serge Aurier. And it, is, it comes yeah. down to, would you trust him more than Matt 100,000 percent, and Aurier's uh, the thing is Aurier is known to be a liability. We've seen him gaff and mare in so many matches, but he has been one of the best right backs in the league this season. I'll happily argue that with anyone. He's been one of the best right backs in the league this season, and barring Leicester, I think Leicester at home, the guy's been pretty solid in all of our big matches: Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And for a game of this magnitude, there was no need to start him, nor keep him on the pitch for 90 minutes when Aurier was on the bench. You make, uh, fair enough, Aurier just came back from injury, but we have, if Harry Kane had just come back from injury or whatnot, yeah, he's not missing this game. He's not missing this match. So why is, why is the best right back we've had on form this season missing this game? It didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me at all. I mean, I feel like you've touched on it before, but um, it's easy. I think it's easy to blame one. I mean, Arsenal fans know about blaming one one person in a team, especially uh, knowing Basil knows who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> as a team, though, I mean, surely if if you're if you're going to see somebody like, like struggling, support them. But Gary, like you said, I think you said earlier before, Gary didn't track back. But then again, where's the where's your midfield in that situation? Because I feel like it wasn't. It wasn't yesterday that Arsenal started just playing completely down the left. We've been playing that. We've been, yeah. been playing that style all season yeah. long. So tactically, there should have been a plan to stop that. And then you have to you have to ask the manager. Then this is what I'm saying. All all, all arrows point to the point to the manager. Then because a, a blind man could see where Arsenal were gonna where Arsenal gonna attack. <laughs> Kieran Tierney has literally been playing ISO ball the whole season. He's been doing what Regulon does for us. Yeah. So <laughs> even to a greater extent, because we don't solely rely on Regulon to, to be our offensive input. But Kieran Tini is legitimately Arsenal's playmaker from left back. Like he's doing everything, defending, attacking, whatever. You knew the problem, the problem points and you did nothing to address it for the whole game. Hoybier tried. You saw him several times getting uh, shuttling out to the right hand side to try and help. And he was getting battered every time he got he went to the right hand side. You saw what Emil Smith Rowe did to him, destroyed him. He was he was ran ragged that game, and it was and then when Hoybier did that, it left uh, Endombele, who was already for, for some weird reason playing much deeper than he should have. It left him isolated. So every time he even not saying not trying to excuse his performance because he was he was bad and he deserves criticism, very very bad, awful in fact. But he was outnumbered. Party Jacob, they just they were just picking him off. They were just picking him off comfortable. It was a comfortable performance from, from Arsenal. And I'm not I'm not trying to discredit Arsenal's performance because I think Arsenal were excellent. They forced us into mistakes. They played for us with ease. They used the wide space as well. And they defended well. Like we, we didn't have a sniff until the last like five, ten minutes. But when you look at the, the 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 tactical issues that we had in that game, you just have to think, what is this manager being paid for? If if you can see what's going on and you don't want to do anything to address it. I mean, what's the option for you guys right now? I mean, I feel like a, a few of you were saying before that it was uh, Arteta, no, Mourinho over Arteta in pre and other videos. But um, 
I mean, what's the situation now? Is it going to be a uh, stick out, stick out with Mourinho? I, I, I feel like yes, the, the answer is going to have to be yes because of his uh, his contract buyout clause. But what's next for Spurs, man? Because do you feel like you're going to get top four? That's that's, a, that's another question, I guess. Um, I think on 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 that point and sort of expanding on Basil's point earlier, I think Spurs are in a little bit of an issue that maybe some fans are not quite aware of how big that issue is. Because um, from my perspective, I think Basil made a very good point in terms of the culture at the club and it's starting from the top. And for me, I think that starts at the very, very top. Um, if you look at the successful teams in England over the past 10 years, um, or even longer than that, right? You've had um, Chelsea under Abramovich, you know, and you know what smoke Abramovich is on, you know, he wants success on the pitch. If he doesn't get success on the pitch, the manager's gone, right? So that drives a culture of success, success, success is what the, the barometer is. Uh, on the, at United, you had Sir Alex Ferguson. We knew what, he ran the whole show at United. He was about winning and winning, winning, winning. Anyone, he was, he was, he was willing to chuck out any big name, Stan, Beckham, Keane, whoever it was, he, he, he got rid of them. And so that's the, another culture of success, what he says goes. You look at uh, Man City, and they've had their owners, their, their, their Saudis, you know, they've, they've run the whole thing. They, they've put together a well-oiled ship. They got the uh, Begiristan guy um, and all of these other pieces because they knew they wanted Pep. And then obviously, once you get Pep in the door, you know what that, what that means. Right, he he's the best manager in the world. We're gonna get we're gonna get success. We're gonna win. And then you look at Klopp. They got their um, you know Fenway Sports Group, and they got their their sort of their enigma in Klopp. And you know, and he's and Liverpool were sort of in a similar similar situation to where Tottenham found themselves, where they were sort of perennial losers for about 10, 15 years. You know, they're not not really winning much. But Klopp, he had to do a lot to shake that um feeling you know they got to several finals people calling him you know a serial loser this that and the other but then once they go 97 points they become the mentality monsters and they're the team to beat because and that is all stemmed from the manager right and i feel like daniel levy and enik they don't have that culture of success you know they they've tried to and i think they've tried to take shortcuts to get there and I think sacking Pochettino and getting Mourinho is probably one of the worst decisions that they could have done. Because Pochettino, I think he would have had the same effect as what you're seeing Klopp do, um, with that sort of that sort of building building from the bottom, changing the culture, changing the mindset. And I think Pochettino, he was really sort of swimming against the tide at Tottenham in terms of trying to, you know, bring bring people in. And telling them we need to we need to revamp the squad we need to do x y and z but the board weren't willing to back him and i think that's where the the, the first issue started with uh, at at spurs and i think you're looking at your best players now this season who have they been kane obviously world class probably the best striker in the world you got human son one of the best wingers in the world but i'm looking at son even if he stays he's now what 28 turning 29 He's, he's coming into the peak years. I don't think he's going to have more than two two more seasons like he has now. Kane, his future's up in the air. But even if he stays, you know, you need more pieces around him. And in terms of that culture, Jose Mourinho, for me, he's finished at this level. I don't think he is the man to change that culture. So unless, you know, the board, they decide, right, we're going to start spending, we're going to start backing this guy. They need, to, they need a new personality, I think, that will come in and drive that change culture and drive that that culture of success that that Tottenham need and if they if they do keep this Mourinho guy I'm not sure that they they're, they're going to be equipped 
to 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 go forward and I guess build on that that foundation that Pochettino started. So for me, I think that's that's the major issue is between at board level and at manager level. That's that's where the change needs to happen personally. I, th- I think the biggest issue you have is that um, power's been relinquished away from the managers. And I think that's where Marino is going to struggle. Whereas beforehand, there was a lot of power given to the managers in terms of how they wanted, what type of players they wanted, the type of structure that they wanted around them. Because many teams were building around long-term planning around managers. But now, um, the way clubs are sort of set up, they don't really build a team or build a club around the managers because they know managers are dispensable. And maybe maximum, you can get three years out of them before they go. So ultimately, is that if the manager leaves, the ship still continues because we have the structure in place um, where you know, responsibility is given to other people to make sure that they're continuing their jobs while we bring in someone else. And I think that probably is where Marino has struggled maybe in the last few years with his last few cl- clubs. When he returned back to Chelsea, when he left them, when he went to United and now at Tottenham, whereas he doesn't have as much influence and power as he once had maybe pre-2012 with his former clubs. And I think that's where the power struggle goes. And I feel you start to see examples of that on the pitch with maybe some of his team selections, maybe the way he sets up his teams, even um, some of the things he says in the press in the press conference. You can see that as a man trying to gather back the power he once had because ultimately the results just aren't there on the pitch and he can't affect that change upstairs as maybe as he once did. And I think that's when Marino's starting to struggle as a manager. And I think he needs the right club who is going to sort of pamper him and baby him a bit more and give him that love that he once had for things to work out. And I think that's where sort of we can sort of see the destructive side of Marino um, at certain clubs. Is it harsh to say everything that we've been saying, considering that Spurs, yes, obviously they don't they don't play the most attractive football, but they are still in a top four race. They haven't won a title, a, a trophy in uh, since 2008. I think it was the League Cup final. It's coming up soon. There's all. There also is running. They have a chance to win the Europa League. It's a, it's a strong chance as well. So is it a bit harsh to be criticised, Mourinho, considering that he's doing a decent enough job, knowing that he has a backline of Alderweireld who's aging, Davis Sanchez who that that penalty uh, yesterday was was all the uh, evidence. <laughs> Um, who else is there? Eric Doherty, you guys don't like Eric even Bergman, who I like, he's he's married. I don't think it is harsh, I don't think it is harsh because, uh, I'm sure me, I'm not sure what, what your opinion is, no, I, I don't think it's harsh because I'm uh, I'm a process over results guy and I, I'm looking at what I'm seeing on the pitch, I don't think it's harsh at all. You cannot tell me that this is the best we can play with the group of players we have, as as bad as our defence is. He chooses to, to to prioritise the weakest part of our team and as if it's the strongest part of our team, like Mel said earlier on. That's that's his decision to make. Because at the start of the season, when I thought there's maybe some sort of tiny bit of hope for this guy, we may, we weren't losing, we, we weren't winning bare matches, but the performances were better. We were able to... To, to put um, a sustained amount of pressure on the opposition. We were able to create chances and and um, we just generally looked the better side. And yet he's he's gone away from that and he's he's reverted back to type. I don't think the criticism is is unjustified. Um, I, you look at his cup run as well. Yes, it's fantastic we've got to a cup final and I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. 
um, yes, he beat Chelsea um, on penalties and whatnot, but you played two championship sides on your way to the final. And let's not forget that we got a bye. Yeah. Um, Leighton Orient couldn't play their game. So that's that's already one less game that we had to that we didn't have to play in in the run up to that to that um, League Cup final. Yeah. And if I look at his oh okay, yeah, Spurs are in the Europa League. I'm sorry. This squad, it is it is expected that we should still be in the Europa League. Because if you look at our squad compared to most other teams in the Europa League, as bad as these Sanchez's or whatnot are. I challenge you to name me a single player from Lask, a single player from Royal Antwerp, a single player from Maccabi Haifa, a single <coughs> player from Wolfsburger. You will struggle. You will absolutely struggle. So, so these are the these are the caliber of these are the caliber of teams that were playing right. in the Europa League because the Europa League doesn't get serious until the quarterfinals. Everyone knows that. So what he's done so far in the Europa League is not something to congratulate. Yeah, fair enough. We've scored loads of goals and we've stat padded. This is why you're seeing that that daft, oh, Jose scored over 100 goals for a defensive manager. Yeah, of course, because half of them are against plumbers from Eastern Europe. Yeah, of course he has. Of course he has. So I, I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. I'm going to nitpick at what he's done this season because what I'm seeing on the pitch is not good enough. And the reason why he deserves criticism is because whenever we are going up against these better sides, we're floundering. So why? So what confidence does that give us when we have the best side in the league in a League Cup final? What confidence does that give us when we start playing some of the better sides in the Europa League? Arsenal are still in the Europa League. Look at what they did to us yesterday. Without their best player, without their, their, their in-form attacker this season for, for, for a half. Man United are still in the competition. AC Milan are still in the competition, whatever. So what confidence does he give us that when we play up against some of these better sides that we're going to get the job done? That's why he deserves criticism. Well, I, I, I definitely agree. Um, I do think Jose Mourinho deserves criticism, especially when at the start of the season we were playing football that a lot of the fans were happy with. Um, me thinking West Ham, the West Ham 3-3 was the turning point. I've always said I think that spooked Jose because after that game, it just seems like he shot shot. And we can see how downhill Spurs have gone since then. And the fact he doesn't recognise that and, you know, tries to change it is worrying. So I don't think Jose um, is exempt from critique. And as Toby said, nitpicking our opponents in the competitions we're still in is absolutely valid. The only reason I defend Jose is because I feel like a lot of people that do get onto Jose don't realise Jose isn't the only problem. He's not the only person worth critiquing. It's, as we spoke about previously, it's the person now, it's the board. With that board, I don't think anything changes whatever manager we bring in. What you said about um, the whole power thing, Poch came out before. I think he had a bit of a, a bitch in a press conference because he was like, they might as well change my job title. You could see he was taking out his frustrations at the amount of power he's got. So I don't think anything will change. Jose Mourinho will not bring in another manager. I still think it will be the same thing. Um, but yeah, he's definitely not exempt from it. My only issue is just he's not the only person that deserves it. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think and I think as I think our fan base, it's it's very at times it's very difficult to have that level of understanding with uh, a large part of our fan base because they always think it's one thing. Oh no, this squad is fantastic. If you sack Jose Mourinho and bring in Nagelsmann, it will be hunky dory. It won't be. Same way, if you keep Jose Mourinho here. Yeah, and and you bring in some new players. I don't think you're going to see this mega team that ever, that some fans think we're going to see. I think the issues stem from the top and they trickle down. And 
the top need to the, the 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 issues at the top need to be sorted. The issues on the pitch need to be sorted, and the issue with the management needs to be sorted. It's all a problem. It, it, again, it, it doesn't have to be just one or the other. It's all a problem. Whenever whenever your teams down in the dumps it can't just be one thing because it, 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 it's not it's never just one thing it never is i've got one i've got a question here um do you think that the board are aware of like the amount of like the size of the rebuild job that you guys have to do because from an arsenal perspective like seeing how the club has tried to move uh, in the past two windows and sort of like what Arteta's been repeatedly saying about, you know, we need more quality, we need to, you know, we need to revamp the squad. The gap is really, really big um, with the teams above and where we want to be. I feel like we we have a similar issue to Spurs in terms of like trying to get rid of the deadwood. But from my perspective, it seems that the management and the club are very aware of the job that needs to be done. Whereas I'm not sure if the same sort of, you know, sound bites are coming from Spurs. So that might, that's my question. Do you, do you think that the board are aware and that they're prepared to sort of do the work that needs to be done? I think they're aware. I, but I don't I think, think they're going to go on. Go on, go on. Okay. I, I was, was going to say, do you want to go? <laughs> you go, you oh, go, you go. Okay, cool. You yeah, no, I was going to say, I think they're aware of it, but I think they're in denial about it. And I also think the denial is fighting with desperation. Um, I mean, we were all happy or relatively happy at the very minimum with the last transfer window we got. However, we still realised we still wanted a centre-back um, and maybe a few other spots. Some people wanted a number 10, you know, an attacking midfielder. Um, but Poch said before, not long, a good maybe a few months before he got sacked, you can't move into a new home with old furniture. Poch said we needed a rebuild. and But... From where it looked like the, it went sour between Poch and the players, I think it was either you get rid of the players Poch wants gone or you get rid of Poch. And the fact that the board chose the players shows me their stance on it. And what I say about them fighting desperation, they thought, oh, Poch has run his course. Maybe we don't need the rebuild. We, you know, And then out of duration, they brought Jose, uh, Jose Mourinho in to just get it over the line. So it's desperation. But I do also think they're aware of the rebuild because... They gave Jose a good transfer market. So I don't know. I just think the the board, they'll give a rebuild, but I think it's also about trusting because I don't think a lot of our signings under Poch were Poch signings. Um, so I don't think they trusted him. I think they trust Jose a lot more. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm a bit torn on that one. No, I, I actually agree with Mel. I was going to say, I think they're aware of it, but um, they are desperate and they will do anything for a shortcut. Um we didn't sign anyone for like 18 months. Um, we knew how much of a setback that was. And the, the, the previous season before that, everyone knew we needed a proper backup striker. We signed Lorente on deadline day. Dan knows how furious I was with that signing because I remember that's when we were doing tapping days. I, I kid you not, I could have I punched a hole through the wall. I swear to God. And then the year before that, the year before that, I remember we had just, the 2016-2017 the season, we just come off the back of an unexpected title challenge. And there's growing optimism that this team can do something, give us some proper players to add to this team. And Wanyama aside, that transfer window was atrocious. Um, and Kudu for 10 million, uh, desperation, 30 million pound signing for Sissoko. Um, when when uh, when a, a midfielder who was twice the player 
was from that same club and you let him go to Liverpool. Do you get what I'm saying? Signing Janssen for 20 million, like it's always shortcuts with this with, with this board. And this is why, like, I'm not Enoch out, but like, I could easily be Enoch out because they've done so many bad things to counteract <clears throat> the good things we've seen over the years. And now they're playing catch up. Since the start of last season, the 1920 season, we spent like, yeah, not net, but in terms of just like normal spend, we spent around 230 plus million, which is quite a lot of money for, for us. But when you look at the money that we didn't spend the 18 months prior, when you look at the years of, 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 um, of like half-assing things and taking shortcut, shortcuts here and there, it was well overdue. And the fact that we've been able to spend 230 million over two seasons and we still need like three or four more players minimum, it tells you everything you need to know about this board's um, ability to shortcut and, 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 and try and find a, 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 a quick and dirty solution to a long-term problem, which Pochettino highlighted. Uh, well, I could say this, uh, if you spend near, near a billion pounds and your biggest achievement is Lindelof and Maguire at the back. Trust me, you're going to get worse from there. Um, <laughs> we have ripped into Spurs a little bit. That's what I was asking. We spoke about Arsenal yet. Like, come on. Yeah, now. yeah. yeah let's, you let's, need to praise let's, Arsenal. I'm not going to lie. Let's get it. 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 let us get it yeah, because your team won for the first time made you happy in ages, isn't it? So, you know, there you go. Um, I'm joking, I'm joking. Dan, what was so different um, about this performance compared to the other co um, couple of last North London derbies? Because Spurs and Mourinho had won two in a row. He also going to be the first manager to win three in a row against um, Spurs. What was the approach? That, what made your approach so different and what made you win the game over them? Um, yeah, I think, to be fair, I don't... The approach from our last few games, I don't think is that different. Um, mm. But in, in respect of like the previous North London derbies, I think the last one last season was after Ozil had been ostracised from the team um, post-lockdown. And again, the one before um, Christmas was, a, we, we didn't have a number 10 uh, in, in the team. Yes, Smith-Rowe um, wasn't available. We didn't have Odegaard. So I think Arteta has shown that for me personally, the only times we've looked good going forward is when we've had been playing with an out-and-out out number 10 in the team before lockdown and then um, since Smith-Rowe's been, been in the team. In the time in between, I think we've been terrible. You know, um, In terms of this whole process over results thing that Toby's mentioned, um, before Christmas, I was heavily Arteta out because what I was seeing was, was like god-awful. It was terrible. We weren't creating shots. We weren't um, putting teams under any duress we're keeping possession for possession's sake and we're literally getting turned over by anyone's anyone and their mum could come to the emirates and and win you know leicester didn't didn't have to attack to beat us one nil burnley we put in the ball in our own net for them to score take take the points southampton i can go on and on about teams that were just able to do nothing spurs's performance for me was pretty much identical to the performance at, at their ground but Son didn't score a worldie in like the first 15 minutes. Do you get what I'm saying? But you had the Lamella one instead. But this this time round, we actually were able to put some passing patterns together. You know, it was a, a lot more coherent attack. 
And since Smith Rowe has come into the team, I think that's that's what you've been seeing from Arsenal. Like I was saying uh, to Toby before the match because he was saying, you know, uh, um, we, we, that Spurs aren't, aren't going to lose. Like, fine, fair enough. I'm not, we're not going to like rehash it or anything like that. But my main point in, in saying that to him was that since Boxing Day, we've actually been a very good team. If you look at the table since then, I think we, we've got the second most points per game after Man City. Um, fourth overall points with games with a few games uh, played less. So for me, we, we are a very good team and a very good team in this division from what I was seeing. People will see, you know, a mistake against Burnley and be like, oh, Arsenal, look at our league position and say Arsenal are crap. But if you're doing the whole process over results thing, what you're actually watching is very good football being played and very dominant performances. So for me, this was not a surprise. I knew that we were going to outplay Tottenham today uh, uh, on the weekend. I, I knew it was going to happen. But my only question mark was whether or not we were going to shoot ourselves in the foot. And you can, if you were listening to the Discord, my head was completely gone after uh, Lamella scored that because I thought it was going to be, you know, another one of those days um, where we're going to have all the play and we're going to have nothing to show for it. And I was, I was fuming. And if that, if that was the case, then you know, I was, I was, I was going to be very upset. But you know, um, fortunately, they were able to put the ball in the net, and we got we got our just rewards. Um, Basil, yeah, uh, my resident West Brom fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was the? I think the most impressive thing for me was the fact that when you went one 0 down, just like Dan, I as a neutral was thinking, "Oh, here we go again. It's going to be peak for Arsenal. Yeah. It's going to be long." But he did bounce back, and he bounced back really well. Um, Odegaard has come in and he's created quite a spark as a number 10 for you guys. How impressed are you by his performances so far? Um, I still think he's got a lot to give. I, I still think if you watch him play at Arsenal and watch him play at Real Sociedad, he's still playing with the shackles a bit on because I think with the way Arteta sets up, he's very stringent and all you have to do is watch Arsenal and how he performs for Arsenal to understand how stringent it is mm. um, in terms of from a tactical point of view. I think he's done well. He's settled well a bit. But I still think he has a lot more to give than what he's currently showing. Um, and I think he needs a manager who's going to give him a bit more freedom to be a bit more expressive um, on and off the ball a bit more. Um, obviously, you can see his qualities just from watching him. But I think there's still another gear he can go or he can still show at Arsenal. Because, if, like I said, I'm, I'm comparing it to what I saw um, under his role, such that days. And he was a lot more free than what we're seeing now. Um, he took a lot more risk there than what we're seeing now at Arsenal. And you can see he's he's sort of a bit of a victim of the Arteta system. And sometimes in certain matches prior to the Tottenham match, you can see the criticism from certain sets of even Arsenal fans, I would say, about Woodgard and some of his performances. But I've been impressed with him so far. I still think he's got a lot more to give, um, but we shall see um, in that regard. You guys, you guys love the, uh, the O's. As a number 10, obviously, Yassan Ozil, Kimmer did his thing at first. Odegaard's doing his thing as well. Um, Kale, Ababa Yang, let's talk about him a little bit. Mm. Not on the negative side, because obviously, I think it's come out that he was late for the team meeting before the game, which mm -hmm. punishment, I think that's right. I think it's fair for everyone to be treated the same, regardless of status in the squad. But let's focus on the more positive. Like I said, he's got a penalty. <laughs> One penalty from, uh, quite frankly, stupidity from... Um, Davison Sanchez, but more than anything, how impressed were you by Arsenal? Because obviously, we've spoken about Arteta countless times on this show. You have been convinced by him, I think, since day one, to be completely honest. Um, or so, so how impressed were you with Arsenal? And where do you see this 
do you see this as a a, a platform? Do you see the improvements that Dan is saying steadily showing you in Arsenal? And do you think there's a higher level for them to reach? I mean, like like Dan, I was Arteta out quite heavily before January. He, he's winning me back. I'm, I would not say I'm completely convinced by this, this idea of a process. I, I like we're playing better football right now, and that's 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 always good to see. Um, in terms of performance yesterday, I thought we were we were. It was fantastic. It was simple as. Um, I mean, talk about Emil Smith Rowe. That shot, man. That, that was like an inch away from from hitting the top bins. That was a wonderful shot. Uh, Kieran Tierney was at his best. Lacazette. He, he worked hard. He got a goal. I, I've been comp- criticizing him that he, he, if you're a striker, you should be scoring goals instead of just working hard. And he, and he got the goal. So that was that was um, good. Pepe as well, man. I don't think anybody's going to talk about Pepe. I don't think Basil. Would like me giving uh, praise to, to Pepe, but it is what it is, man. He's, he was a fantastic pass. No, man, he needs to be sold. He needs to be sold. There's no coming back from that. Man. He's dead. What does he offer? That pass, that's what he offered, didn't it? I mean, the pass that made us win the game, that's what he offered. So he played well. I feel like we played very, very well. I was convinced by what I saw. Gabriel as well played played decent. David Luiz as well. Um, not convinced he should get another year, but Jacob? he's here to stay. Jacko? Hmm? Don't don't maybe don't don't just don't just don't just just don't. You don't um, think it was okay yesterday, huh? You don't think it was okay yesterday? At least he played well, but I, I don't want to give him praise. I think he was, I think he I think he was okay, but he did his he did his very best not to score, man. Like fundamentally, he's just not he's not it, man. As a strat, he's it's weird. He cost fifty two million, but he plays like a fifteen million pound backup striker and. He's on big wages as well. Like he's just, <laughs> not, he's, he's not. He's not. Honestly, he's, he's not a bad. He's not a bad striker. I think, I, like, to he's his got credit, quali- then, he's got qualities. But yes, yeah. yeah. I don't think he's a bad striker at all. But I don't think he's good enough to play the way Arsenal want him to play. And he's definitely not got the energy to play the way Arsenal want him to play. He's always gassed out after like like 50, 60 minutes as well. I feel like he, he plays exactly how Arteta wants him to play. Though I feel like he wants a striker to to press from the front. You need a you need a goal scorer up there. You need a you need a proper number nine, and he's just not that. That's what but I'm saying. Arsenal, he, ain't, he ain't got the facility. Like you see that that phrase, you ain't got the facilities, big man. He ain't got the facility. <laughs> he ain't got the facilities to press as long as Arteta wants him to press, and he ain't got the the clinical nature to 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 um, to bag the, the the number of goals that Arsenal need their frontman to get. But even on the performance as well um, yesterday, Arsenal like Daniel. No, I was cocky about. Not losing because I, I thought at the very least we're not going to lose this game. But I, not once in every single preview did I say Spurs are going to win because, and we were discussing this um, on our um, on our group chat that I feel like with Spurs there's still some sort of psychological hold that we have at this ground. I don't know what it is. We've come into we've come into this game in in better positions and we've just been turned over, and that was always playing in the back of my mind. And I remember saying it to Turkish on um the show last friday that if we play like we did in the home game we're gonna get we're gonna get spanked irrespective of what i think of arteta because the team that we played in in december is not the same team now in a sense that they can actually do something with the ball it's not just going to be crossing inshallah into the box and i was hoping that with the lineup that we saw um we were going to see a team that could actually press Arsenal and, and get the worst of the Arsenal side that we've seen in recent weeks, whereby they're, they're um, whereby, sorry, I'm getting a work call. I don't know what the hell this is about at 6.17. Ridiculous. Um, but I'm going to ignore it. But yeah, anyway, 
I hope you can't hear the hear it making noise. Can you hear it making nah, noise? Nah. Okay, cool. Nah. Uh, yeah. So what I was saying was, um, I thought we were going to press from the front, but not only did we not press from the front, Arsenal didn't let us build any sort of play from the back as well, and they offered that passing that passing quality um, and incision that I thought they were going to offer. And then I think to, to smash to, to add the smasher as well, Arteta took all the all his bad his bad um, characteristics out of this game. His favoritism towards certain players, we didn't see it. Willian didn't start. Bellerin didn't start. They were, those were two players I was so sure were going to start. They Willian didn't start. Came on, he he took, yeah. yeah, he came on, but he didn't start. He took all emotional, all emotional, all emotional, and um, all all the emotional traits and all his negative traits out of this game. And I think. Ultimately, that's what it, 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 it um, propelled Arsenal instead of hindering them. Yeah, I, I just I wish our manager thing, did the same. I think one thing I'll say is that Tottenham sort of played into Arsenal's hands because, as Dan was saying, Arsenal didn't really play any different from what we've actually seen Arsenal um, play in the, in the last few weeks. And I was I was kind of surprised um, in the way that Tottenham set up because in the first 15, 20 minutes, I was a bit surprised that Arsenal were the team on the front foot that Spurs sat back so much. And I thought, well, you've just played into Arsenal's hands. Because Arsenal don't cope under pressure. When you try and press them from the front, when you put a bit of pressure into the midfield, you sort of see Arsenal crumble a bit. And Spurs didn't do that whatsoever. And the testament of that was that when Tottenham went down to 10 men, you wouldn't have thought that Tottenham went down, into te- went down to 10 men. I thought our in-game management when <laughs> Lamella got sent off was quite terrible, if I'm being brutally honest. Because Tottenham had a few chances, such as the, t- the Kane goal that was ruled off offside. When they hit the post, Gabriel um, blocking on the line. I think Deli Ali just slightly missing a header where the ball was just a bit in front of him. And I sat there I was, as I was watching him and I thought to myself, if Tottenham started the game in that manner, it might have been a completely different result. But ultimately, they waited until, you know, we're 2-1 down and we're desperate for a goal to sort of up the ante a bit and put Arsenal under a bit of, a pre- bit of pressure. And you saw how Arsenal responded when Tottenham did that. They struggled a bit. And I'll say they were lucky to walk away with a 2-1 victory in the end. Do you know what? I'm not even surprised. I'm not even surprised that we started playing after we went a man down and a goal down because we've seen it so many times with this Jose team. We only will just be playing horrendous for like 70, 80 minutes and then we have to go a goal down for us to wake up. Or even if we're not a goal down, it's just the last 10, 15, being generous, 20 minutes. That's only when this team knows how to wake up and it's embarrassing. We've seen it so many uh, times now. Uh, Mel, I'll ask you this question. Um, it's asked by Rob uh, Mush, our boy. Um, I'm just going to put this in here. And this is considering how inconsistent everybody else, but, apart from City, are in the league. If Odegaard, etc., are playing at their best and Arsenal maximise their tactics, what's the highest this current Arsenal squad can finish? We beat Tottenham so first. You're coming to me with that one. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. Okay, I'll give a diplomatic answer. Um, I think Odegaard is a player that Arsenal. Odegaard is a player that Arsenal really needed, um, and I do think we're starting to see the best of him. I was I was quite worried when you guys got him. This season is very crazy. Um, a lot of teams around us are dropping points. Do I think Arsenal can capitalise on that? Yes, I think. I don't think Arsenal will get top four. I think they could squeeze into fifth or sixth, I'll be honest. What? Yeah. That's <laughs> my honest answer. 
Basil, what, what was that? What is that a disagreement? No, man, we're finishing ninth. We're not going above ninth. <laughs> oh, right. No, we're not going above ninth. We're too, we're too inconsistent. We've been there too many times. We're too inconsistent for us to capitalise on anybody's mistakes. Because you look at the Burnley result. Um, for me, that, that just says it all. That, a result like that where a mistake hands Burnley, hands Burnley an equaliser and we can't get a, a winning goal from there. I think Arsenal are just too inconsistent. Um, we've been there too many times where it looks like you look at the table and you think, well, one or two victories can get us close to it and we, and we just don't do it. So I think we're not finishing anywhere above ninth this season. Damn. Dan, where can you finish? What do you think? I do think that we can finish in the top six. Um, but I think Basil does make a good point, man. I think we, we just have, I think, too many unreliable players in both boxes. You know, um, I think if you look at the performances... Um, we should have, we'd like, and, and they don't match the results, right? And that's because of the unreliability in both boxes. I think against Burnley, we missed something like four big chances. And then on top of that, we have a man kicking the ball into our own net. Do you get what I'm saying? So the performances, if if the results start to match the performances, we can definitely climb the table. But I don't think we have the players currently to sort of match the, the output that, that our performances deserve, basically. Uh, Toby? Dan already knows this. We've got a £50 bet that they're not going to finish above Spurs. And I don't see Spurs finishing in the top four. So that tells you everything you need to know. Can Arsenal realistically finish above us? Yes. Can Mel's right. Can Arsenal even finish sixth? I think they can. Because when you look at the, when you look at the teams above um, Everton, West Ham, are you really telling me come game 38, Arsenal can't put together a running form to, to topple these sides? <clears throat> but I just think, like Basil said as well, and like I said to, to Dan this morning, as good as Arsenal are playing, there's always a cap on on how good they are because of the players that they have to rely on this season. They have to rely on Granit Xhaka. He's a, he's a regular. And even though he's played well in recent weeks or whatever you want to call it, he is a liability. It's the same thing with Davison Sanchez for us. He, he didn't even play that bad yesterday. I thought he was actually one of our best centre-backs yesterday. He was playing well. And then he gives away a penalty. So the same way I wouldn't put trust in Spurs to finish top four, despite the fact that we've got a midfield and attack capable of finishing in the top four and we're always going to be cl close. It's the same way I, I don't think Arsenal will finish um, higher than higher than sixth. So I think sixth, sixth, maybe seventh is, in fact, yeah, seventh is, is where I'd expect Arsenal to finish. I think we'll finish sixth. Right. Uh, before we move on from the game, I want to discuss the goals because I don't know if we've highlighted any of the, the goals here. There's a particular goal that, as a neutral, I had lost my head. I, I was very, very stunned that the fact that Lamella, who became an idiot, <coughs> excuse me, became an idiot towards the end of the game, um, but just the goal in isolation. Uh, I was asked the Tottenham fans only on this one. So, Mel, <coughs> Lamella, that goal, how did you react, obviously? What was the, the reaction to that goal? I literally lost my head. I threw my phone. Um, but I want to say, yeah, I think that actually would have been more impressive if he scored it with his right foot. And this is what makes me laugh about Lamella. He will turn, he will go to Mount Kilimanjaro and back if it means he doesn't use that right foot. And it's hilarious. But it, it was just to do, to do that in a North London derby was just ridiculous. But it's just a shame. I can't gloat about it. So that's all you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Toby? Yeah, I'm the same with Mel. Um, I even wanted to sort of jump on her point about his insistence to not his insistence on not using his right foot. Um, someone sent me a, a stat this morning. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I 
1,000% believe it, that Lamella has not used his right foot once this season to make a pass. Not once this season. So I believe it. I, I don't know how they've figured it out. I believe it. I 1,000% believe it. It was a great, it was a great goal. It was a great goal, but he's a scrub. He's a bum. There's a reason why I call these guys Lamora. Like they don't deserve their full name. I don't, he could score, he could, he could, he could score a million worldies. And I know Lucas Moore is playing well, but just get rid of these guys in the summer. How can you score a goal like that and play shit for the rest of the game? All he does is literally run and foul people and occasionally come up with a, with a, with a, with a good goal. The worst thing is he was actually looking like he was playing his best bit of football all season in recent games, like the cameos, some of the games in the Europa League as well. Like he looked good. And whilst it was a great goal, he did get sent off. He did give away stupid fouls. He couldn't keep the ball to save his life. I'm not going to praise him. Wow. I hear that. Uh, Basil, we'll go to you first. Uh, yeah. Equalizer. Great work done the left by Tien, even though I, to this day, I still, again, Doherty, that was too far it was too easy to get past him yeah but um it wasn't i wouldn't call it a great goal but the magnitude of it of getting the team back into it like how much how much um encouragement did it give the arsenal team once that hit the back of the net no definitely encouragement because i guess it's something that we struggled especially in the first half of games where we go a goal behind and we struggle to pull one back and i think that gave the arsenal players that lift and encouragement to say well you know we scored a goal we've actually taken a chance can we go on and get the second goal and improve our performances was naturally i think if arsenal don't get that goal before half time I think we probably struggle a bit in the second half because I think there's a confidence problem at Arsenal where we create chances, but just can't put in the back of the net. And I think that would have continued on to the second half. And I think if we didn't get that goal before halftime, I think the maximum we, we could have possibly got out of that game was a draw. Because I think Jose would have rolled it out up until maybe the last maybe 78 minutes, 80 minutes where it would have got a bit tetchy for Spurs and maybe a mistake might have handed Arsenal an equaliser. And I don't think it would have had enough to have got a second goal. So I think it was important that we got that goal just before half-time. Fair. And Dan, um, are you on the side of Gary Lecom, Michael Owen and Jermaine Genus, or are you on the side of the rest of the whole damn planet when we understand that, that it was a penalty? You know what I mean? It's, it's it. First thing, though, um, on, on the Tierney thing, uh, that, like, you, you saying that it's, uh, it's too easy to get past him, I actually think... You know, that's Tierney's, like, superpower for me. Like, I've seen it. I used to think, oh, yeah, why is this guy always getting past the fullback with this simple touch and run? But his acceleration is is ridiculous. Like, I've seen him okay. do it against um, Yedlin the other day. And when I saw that, I was like, because Yedlin, you, I think he was your, your player, yeah, right? He was. He's Yedlin, the fastest players I've ever seen on the pitch. When I see Tierney bursting like that, I was like, yeah, you need to double up on him when, when he gets into that position because I don't think that can be stopped. Um, but obviously, for me, it's a, it's a clear pen. Um, I, I think Sanchez, you know, is 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 a bit unlucky because I think without the the air swipe um, from Lacazette, I think he probably gets a block on it, and it's like you know a, a, a good challenge. But I think the fact that he's come in so recklessly, not got the ball, and con contacted the player, I think it's just it's just a clear penalty. Um, I think people like they're sort of like get taken away from the fact that, you know, Lacazette doesn't have the ball under control, et cetera, et cetera. But I just feel like it doesn't matter when you're coming in that high with that level of aggression in, in the penalty area, man. I think it's the it's a bit of a brain a brain fart from him, but, you know, it's, it's a stonewall penalty. And just just to add, seeing Jermaine Genus 
burning like that on match of the day. It's, <laughs> it's inject, inject it into my veins, man. That's that's what I need. I, I thought that was harsh. I didn't think it was a penalty. And I don't think the challenge in itself was reckless. Because I think when the ball is that high, you have to raise your leg that high to get the block. Because when you look at it, it's Lacazette that actually kicks him rather than him coming into Lacazette. Bro, he and I, think they, I, think, I, I think the game is gone when we're giving penalties for that because Lacazette's completely missed the ball. So I don't understand what Sanchez has, what he's denied Arsenal there, if I'm being wrong. Especially when Lacazette's the one that has kicked into um, into Davison Sanchez. I, I didn't think it was a penalty at all. I was surprised that VAR did not ask the referee to go and look in the monitor and that he didn't go to that. It, he didn't have the opportunity to, to overrule it. Because I think if he looks again, at the monitor, he probably overrules that penalty, in my honest opinion. But like I said, I'm not complaining anyway, so... Hey, I can't uh, lie, I'm quite shocked by that. I thought that was a stonewall penalty all day long. Because you can't, for me, you just can't... I know I know, it's, it's a tough situation, and the, the aim was to block the ball, and if he does get there, yeah, like Dan said, it'll be a fantastic block, but he hasn't. Yeah, That's yeah. if, buts, and maybes, he hasn't. And once the contact's made... And like it's down on the ground, you look at that. I reckon if he went to the VAR, he looked at it two seconds and said, Yeah, you know what, forget about it. Just give penalties all day long. I think I think a similar situation and, and the thing is, I think people need to remember, right? The, the the attacker doesn't need to have the ball under control for for it to be a penalty. And if you think back to um what was it, the Merseyside Derby, yeah, when Trent goes sliding in and Calvert Lewin trips over him, right? You people are like, yeah, it's harsh, um, it's harsh uh, to give that penalty, but you know, it doesn't matter that Trent is not meant to necessarily trip him over. It's the fact that he's made a challenge and he stopped Calvert-Lewin from getting to the ball when the ball is still in play. It's the same thing here. The ball is still in play. It's not gone off. And so if you're, if you're, if you're now knocking over the striker after he's had a shot, it's a foul and, it, and it's a pen. So for me, I, I didn't think there was much of a debate personally. Yeah. All right. Should we move on from this game? Because how much hour? Been an hour. It's been a, it's been good analysis. I love the analysis. Obviously, North London is uh, what, what color is it? It's still white, but they it's have been, the bragging it's been, rights. It's been red since since Arsenal got there. So. No, 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 no. It's still white. We're still a better side okay. than you, but you just have the bragging rights right now because we okay. beat you at the start of the season and we're still four points ahead of you. Okay. So that 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 is that is true. I mean, anyone can to respond to that one. I mean. We did the three points, man. He can he can say what he likes, yeah, man. But he knows he's burning. <laughs> hey, I'm burning. <laughs> All right, let's move on from that. Let's move on from that. Do we have to speak about United? I mean, we can we can walk past that quickly because that game was. I didn't awful. even watch the game. I'm so I happy. I didn't watch the game. It's good. It's good. Simple. Balls crossed in. Own goal. That's it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue with that, with that bit of analysis. It was a bad game. It was a really bad game. Shocking. I feel like we were saying that far too often with Man United here. In the, probably in the last since Pogba got injured, to be honest. Um, with the exception of last week, I felt like you lot played. You lot played. You know what? You lot played. I thought I, I was being a bit harsh initially, but I feel like you lot played well last week against Man City. But hmm. I just whenever I watch Man United these days, it's just it's dire. It's actually painful to watch, whether it's the Europa League or if it's yeah. the Premier League. Milan completely bucked you off the pitch on Thursday. 
Agreed. And then I, I think I saw like 10, maybe like five, 10 minutes of the West Ham game and said, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing this this weekend. I'm not doing it. Hmm. I don't need to watch this game. There's nothing I can gain from analysing this match. So, yeah, I switched it off. I mean, what's the what's the feeling towards David Moyes? I mean, West Ham obviously haven't run of their lives going up against the Manchester United team, like you said, missing arguably their best uh, distributor in Paul Pogba. Why, why was he so scared into trying just attacking uh, Manchester United? I was quite baffled by that because I think anyone knows that it's quite simple. It's quite it's not even rocket science that you know you get into you get a United, you can expose their backline no problem. Um, they had no shots in the first half, like nothing, nada. They left by Rama on the bench. Lanzini was on the bench. Mark Noble started. The lineup just didn't make sense. There was no sort of it didn't look like there was an attacking intention in any any case of that team and they came on i think around the 75th to the 80th minute so late and when those guys came on they started to give us a little bit of trouble so it was like you know why do you approach the way the game the same way you've done all season because that's what's taking you to such heights that's what's helped you get to such a level where people are saying can west ham get to the champions league can west ham get to the europa league so it was very baffling to watch them approach that game and i think that's what added to how boring it was because as bad as they were May United having the the impetus to go out uh, and attack still did nothing with the ball. So if United are that bad, surely your idea is to go out of United and say, you know, we can get something out of this if we add a bit more creativity to starting eleven and go for it from the jump. That's the biggest big, uh, biggest disappointment for me if I'm if I was a West Ham fan. I think uh, they have been good this season, but if they're gonna try and make sure they can try and get into European position, I think they're overachieving this season in general anyway. But if they get to a European position in general, that's a huge overachievement. Mm. But whilst you're there, why not give yourselves the best chance to try and make it, especially against a United side who, yes, might be second, but are still as hell very inconsistent. I'm not entertaining to watch. So yeah. I still understand the approach by West Ham and David Moyes. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I understand it. Um, go no, on, go sorry. Ahead. No, no, you go first. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I understand it because naturally, managers like Moyes always revert back to type. They've never been in a position where, or it's never been their, their type of game to, to go at teams or say, let's be ambitious and actually go for wins in games. When it comes to the tough games, they revert back to type, which is let's be conservative. So I wasn't surprised in the slightest that he did that against Manchester United. Maybe if he was playing maybe a lesser team, it would have been a different approach. But come against the Uniteds and co, he's going back to type. And I think that's the reason why West Ham, you know, will never go above maybe the expectations. And they will never go above exceeding expectations because they, they don't have a manager who loves to take risk when risks are there to be taken. That's what's in my mind again, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. Actually, yeah. Let's let's leave it. I can't. This is, yeah, kill. Please come back off mute and just we just we just go past this game, please. I mean, what else you want to talk about there? I feel we spent we 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 decided that North One is red, so I thought we should finish, finish it there. No, I think I think yeah, I think all the games this weekend were pretty dead with the exception yeah, 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 with the yeah, exception of the NLD and the Leicester thrashing. Yeah, but we need. Yeah. In fact, you know what? We probably need to speak about the way Sheffield United are going outside because they are genuinely dreadful. Like, I watched them play and the all defensive stability that they had, the, the work rate, I see none of it. They are literally gifting the opposition goals these days. And mm. I know they've had a lot of injuries. Um, some of their key players as well, O'Connell, Egan, etc., etc. But they're 
they're just a bad side right now, like so, so bad. They can't even do the basics. They're mm, so poor. Yeah. And big up yep. Kelechi Iheanacho as well yeah, for getting his first Premier League hat trick. Senior man, close, you know. Imagine, <laughs> senior man. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. Actually, it's good. To, it was good to get onto them quickly because I mean, last time I spoke about them, I was trying not to because the last time I spoke about them, I said I don't know where they're getting the next wave from, and then my team proceeded to give them three points. But um, yeah, they have been appalling. They have been appalling this year. And that game, Kalechi, fantastic hat trick, but the third goal just it, it re-angered me because there was four players around him, and not one, not one pressed him in the slightest. It's like they just kept backing off and watching him. So obviously he's a good player at the end of the day. I know he's not had his shooting boots in overall in his time at Leicester. But if you give a, a pure striker time to hit the ball, they're going to hit at least hit the target. And he hit it yeah. sweetly, he hit cleanly. He deserves his hat trick all day long. But they gotta do better than that. That's I don't know why I haven't read too much into why Wilders left. I don't know if any reasons have come out yet. But regardless, I mean he's not gonna have a relegation on his name, but they're gonna get they're going down. It's done. So I'd rather they at least fought and try to have a little bit of um, respect, a respectable way of going out rather than going outside like this. But they deserve their spanking and Leicester deserve their five goals. Yeah, they've checked out and they're ready. They're, they're preparing for life in the championship. So <laughs> you can tell. Yeah. That's that. That's that. That's that. We are finishing. So we are thanking, we thank you guys for, uh, joining us here. Um, Tristan's about to join me in here. Anybody. Um, no, thank you for joining. Uh, where can they find you? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Sabalos TV, um, with my football takes about Tottenham. Sometimes good, sometimes shit. But come and check it out. <laughs> and thank you for having me. Basil, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at DJ because 14. I'm in a much happier mood <laughs> than usual. I have more positive things to say about Arsenal, so that's always a good thing. Dan, where can I find you? Yeah, at Dan Coogs, um there, and then also follow Touchy Gunas on Twitter as well, man. Toby, where can I find you? Um, similar place to Mel on YouTube as well. Maybe not with Brighton filling in them, man, but... Um... <laughs> 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 but... Um... We went so long in the show without it. We were so long and it got no people. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I had to. Yeah, if it helps, I've been put into multiple splits today, so it's fine. But yeah, find me on YouTube on Tapping Tobes, and it's literally the same name across all socials. And then also, yeah, follow Spurs underscore Touchline. And follow Touchline Fracker as well. And just, yeah, Touchline Media. I think that's what they're called on YouTube now. Yeah. So just follow Touchline Media mainly. Yeah. Coach, where can they find us? Uh, obviously, right here on YouTube, Freeman for Podcasts, Twitter, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts, Freeman Field. Um, I'm still in second place. Your 10th is what it is. This has been another episode of the Freeman for Podcast. Good. Night. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you.